0: in one timeout for Cincinnati and going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase oh my goodness what a crab 34-yard touchdown throw Burrow back to throw fires deep down the sideline Chase wide open touchdown bangles
1: In the early summer of 2022, a pair of fools were sent to off season prison by the podcast police for crimes against podcasting. These idiots promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the British underground. If you have a problem, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Cincinnati Boys. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 177 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. I don't know why we're making such a big deal about this. We've only been gone a couple of weeks, but we are back. Aren't we, Nathan Palmer?
2: We are indeed, my son. I feel like I've forgotten how to do this. It's been so long.
1: <laughs> Come on, it's only been like two weeks, for God's sake. <laughs> or three weeks, maybe four, maybe four weeks. Maybe it's the it's the longest time we haven't done a podcast for a, for a while, isn't it?
2: it is yeah but i mean i think you need that the best talent in the business you always need a break you know what i mean it doesn't matter how good you are you gotta have a break so i think the same the same goes for us no i
1: i agree so uh what have you been doing these last four weeks let's do a checklist have you drank many cool lagers in the hot sun oh,
2: I've, I've drunk more weight in lagers i think so yeah I, I really have um a- a- have you been to
1: uh, a um, Eastern European country on a on a on a whim weekend breakaway?
2: Oh, I've been. Yeah, I've been <laughs> summer of weddings, isn't it? I'm sure a lot of listeners will know. Everyone putting their weddings back a year or two. A couple of weddings. I've had a stag do. I've had um also all, all manner of things this summer it's been most enjoyable
1: have you been re-signed by the cincinnata bosses for another season
2: well I, I mean i did i didn't want to give it away we're still talking let's okay. just say that okay
1: well it's good to speak to you again nathan on this hottest of hot days are you've you've been okay in the hot, hot sun today
2: yeah, I mean, I went into the office, We got a bit of air con, which is quite, quite enjoyable. But I had to brave the tube this morning, which was surprisingly OK. You okay. go nice and early in the morning. Everyone's been told to work at home. Pretty empty train, bit of air con on that. I was all right, actually. Bit a Bit of slog on the way home. I was going to say,
1: what was it like on the way home, though?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit worse um, on the overground. But, you know, I'm still here. I'm... <laughs> Basically, it's not far off the Naked podcast, the way I look at the moment. Same here,
1: mate. All right, should we give the listeners a picture? I am basically at the moment, because I've had to turn the... So basically, if you're wondering why we're talking about the weather, it's not just because we're British, and British people like to talk about the weather incessantly. Um, It is because uh, it hit 38 degrees today, which is uh, 105 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in the UK, which to a lot of American listeners is nothing. And I feel almost ashamed and a bit of a fraud for whining about it. But you have to understand that we Brits are not built for this kind of weather, which is not built for. We're not used to it. We certainly don't have aircon in our homes. That's an absolute rarity. Uh, so, and I've had to turn my. The only source of my aircon is a small. Uh, kind of little tower fan that's been whirring around my room and of course I've had to turn that off for the podcast so you don't hear the fan in the in the background I know Nathan's done the same so basically I am sweating from parts of my body that I did not realize could sweat at the moment and I'm wearing a I'm wearing a muscle vest and shorts and that's about it if that doesn't (laughs) put you off your that's an absolute wife beater that is oh well there you go um are you are you in similar states of undress?
2: I'm just wearing a nice pair of shorts, and that's about it.
1: Oh, what a picture for our listeners there. Erotic, some would say. Maybe we should do that OnlyFans <laughs> thing. I don't know. Uh, we've been talking about. Um, but it is super hot today in the UK, and uh, it's set to be super hot tomorrow. It might break all-time records uh, as well. But again, this isn't a weather podcast. This is a Bengals podcast. We're back. Uh, training camp starts at the end of this week. Uh, the boys are back in town. Uh, and there's been some news uh, since we last spoke to you. So let's start with the non device. Well, I don't know whether it is actually. The Bengals have announced another tweak to their uniform. And uh, that is new helmets. Or what looks like new helmets. It's going to be the white helmets with the black stripes, by the looks of things. Um I have to say I'm not that bothered about helmets. Um I think it looks pretty cool, the whole all-white thing, a bit of you know, almost like the Galacticos. <laughs> almost. Um uh, but I'm not that bothered. I don't get too I really like the orange and black helmets. I think they're the best in the NFL. Why mess with the best? But then I do did see the pictures of you know the mock-ups that our old pal Seth did with the white, all white uniforms, with the white helmet, the white Bengal thing and theme running all the way through. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I could get behind that once I see it on the field. What about you? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a bit of a no-brainer from the Bengals' perspective. There's been a lot of people that have been crying out for them for a while. There's been lots of different mock-ups and um, people talking about how cool of a concept it is. And if you're the Bengals and you're the marketing department and you're thinking about it, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? It creates some interest. There's going to be a lot that are sold. Um, it garners the team a bit of attention on social media and around the press. I think it's nice and it, it, you can call it gimmicky in some ways, but... I think it looks cool, um, and it's a nice addition, you know. It feels like a sort of, you know, the Bengals keeping keeping up with the trends, nice and modern and clean. Um, yeah, sexy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think it's another way to kind of keep the fans excited season after season, little yeah, tweaks exactly. and little additions and teasing stuff on social media. It's, uh, it's all good fun, isn't it? And uh, I think one – I don't know which college it is, but um, – Apparently they've got all white uniforms and helmets and they do this whiteout thing in the stadium where all the fans kind of, you know, kind of hold up white placards or whatever and it looks like, you know, pretty uh, amazing. It's Penn State, isn't it? It could be Penn State, yeah. And I, I do wonder whether they're going to do that on like pri- primetime games, like whiteout game. You know, that would be, again, it's a talking point. It is a bit of a gimmick, but it's just something to engage the fans and kind of, you know, in that score, they're... They're doing the business. That's two years in a uh, row I'm, now.
2: I'm telling you, so if you, if the Bengals marketing department are listening to this, I, they might as well, because I'll tell you what, you, you're coming up with some good ideas. You always come up with some good ideas. You were talking about the, do you remember you had the idea about on the banks, there's going to be a Bengals, like, um, like an ex- Bengals experience thing that you talked about back oh, in the day. I think You've that, that could
1: look. be the next thing. The Bengals experience and yeah. so Bengals museum, Yeah, where they've got yeah. loads of memorabilia, And, you know, you charge like $15 to get in, there's a cafe, you walk around, you see loads of stuff about Paul Brown and and all this and all that. I think, you know, and now more and more Bengals are going to, uh, sorry, more and more Bengals fans from the UK, I should say, are going to Cincinnati, especially now the COVID stuff has lifted for now, Um, you know. Why not? I think it's a bit of a moneymaker, really, you know what I mean? Anyway, before uh, we prattle on, just to tell you what's happening in this episode, we do have a special guest. It is the brilliant Paul Dana Jr. Uh, he's been on our podcast half a dozen times now, and it's always a pleasure to speak with him. Uh, Paul, of course, writes for The Athletic and produces, next to our little podcast, the gold standard in Bengals podcast. I have to say. Um, hear that podcast growling with Jay Morrison Uh, So you will be familiar with him. And he's got lots of interesting things to say, not least on Jesse Bates. Now, uh, this has been a bit up and down. We heard earlier on that Jesse was not intending to sign his franchise tag. I believe that's something like $12.9 million. Um, uh, He wasn't intending to sign it. I put a poll up to see whether people liked that or didn't like that. Let him go. Pay a little bit more to keep him, and I have to say it was a it was like Brexit like divisiveness. You know, it's like um, there was a small majority in favour of well, like you know, we're sad to see him go, but we can't afford to pay him that much. So see you later. Um, But we're talking like fifty one percent to forty nine percent, fifty two to forty eight, something along those lines. So the fan base is pretty split on this, and of course this week. We heard uh, that as the franchise tag deadline approached, um, he was not going to sign uh, the tag. He had no intention of turning up to training camp. And then details, uh, obviously leaked by his agent, um, David Mulagueta, <laughs> um, leaked to the lights of Ian Rappaport details of the offer that the bengals made and in nfl terms it's a bit like you know a packet of crisps and a scotch egg i have to say um (laughs) it's a bit disappointing they weren't willing to go a little bit more and of course it's all down to the guaranteed money uh, which the bengals do not love doing and uh it looks as though that approach, that sort of set-in-stone philosophy when it comes to paying out guaranteed money um, has uh, has claimed another victim, another fan favourite. Uh, what do you make of it all, Nathan?
2: I don't think – I mean, I know obviously like the deadline's passed now and everything else, but I don't think many people really did think that he would um, be signed before then. I think you felt like the sides were quite a long way apart. It's a real shame, ultimately, because he's a quality player, arguably the best player on that defence. And if he sits out or he doesn't go to camp, no one wins. We don't. We're a worse team. He doesn't get paid. No one wants that. And I think if we were a team that was hoping to win eight games, maybe make the playoffs, you could potentially be stubborn and say, you know, let's see what happens here. But we're, we're really, we're Super Bowl contenders. We've never been closer to um going into a season where we genuinely felt yep we could do it we were there last year we can go one step further with a few good draft picks and free agent additions etc so to lose arguably best player on defense before the season even starts feels ludicrous um i know obviously it's a game of numbers and team building and stuff but you look around the nfl and i you know i'm not Andre Perotto when it comes to the cap, but there's teams out there making crazy splash plays, moving money around, restructuring deals, etc. And I think, like I said, if it was another year and it wasn't as pivotal, fine. You know, they might not value the safety position as as much as they do other positions. But it does, I think it really does put the Bengals in a bad spot. And it's easy to say, well, you know, we've got T. Higgins coming up, Joe Burrow, Jamal Chase the window in the NFL is very small and you know, if Joe Burrow hurts himself at a year's time or something like that, you you never know um, if you're going to have as good a chance as you've got this year. And I just think it weakens us. And I think you, you like I said before, you can't just rely on Daxton Hill coming in as a, a completely untested rookie. He might be a very good player, but he's untested. He's unproven. He's certainly not going to play at the pro bowl level that Jesse Bates has been playing at. So yeah, it's not ideal at all. And, I, I'm i not sure the Bengals are going to budge. Um, history would tell you that. I think, will Jesse Bates come sort of tail between his legs? I mean, he's not really tail between your legs, signing for about $12 million on the franchise tag or playing on that. But I, I, I find it hard to believe at his end, and I think this is probably what the Bengals are hoping, I find it very hard to believe that he would actually sit the season out. He might sit training camp out. He might sit the preseason out. Does he really want to sit on the sidelines for a year, then have to wait till free agency the second time round, and then sign for a deal and he got paid nothing for the year just gone? I don't think that would be great business for Jesse Bates, but again, it's like, who's going to blink first in this, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think this still could be a bit of a play by the agent because Jesse doesn't have that much leverage, and the the, the, the leverage that he's got left is just to refuse not to play basically that's the only leverage that he's got left and like you say i mean the bengal's are not for turning when it comes to but i mean there's there's several elements to this i think it's first of all whether the bengal's uh value the safety position highly enough to to dish out 30 million guaranteed right um it's a philosophical thing with the Bengals as well, in the fact that they don't want to break their pay structure or uh, their their approach to paying. Uh, And also, you know, you look at uh, how they drafted this year and the writing really was on the wall when, as you mentioned, they they drafted Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson. Let's not forget him uh, as well. So two safeties. Now, Dax, you could go into it and say he's not the same kind of player as Jesse Bates, but he could be, and I, you know, again, this is what teams do. This is what all sports teams do. Players come and players go. You know, it's if you remember Reggie, we were gutted when Reggie, if we were just concentrate on the safety position, we were gutted when Reggie Nelson went because he thought we thought he was the bee's knees, and then Giorgio Oloka came in, and we thought he was pretty good, and then Jesse came in and we thought he was even better, and um. It's just a case of whether you think uh, there's lots of chat about whether Jesse, the defence without Jesse will crumble. I don't think it will. They've still got a hell of a lot of good players on that defence, you know. Um, But uh, Jesse when he's playing well on on his day he's certainly a top five safety in the league or at least approaching it and certainly one of our best defensive players, I think. Um, But Again, they have to prioritise as well. This is a team. This is what I've been reading as well a lot over the the summer, and also a a lot from like proper NFL analysts who who know a hell of a lot more than I do. And I asked Paul Dana uh, a bit later about this. Um, You know, it's about cash reserves, and the Bengals don't have a multi-billion-pound owner that can just kind of dish out thirty million in one. You know what I mean? In one, uh, in one, in one payment. The Rams can. Uh, People like the Rams, you know. The Chargers are another sort of smallish, well, they're in L.A., obviously, but they have a similar ownership, as Paul Dana says later. Um, Do you know what I mean? And I don't know. Pittsburgh as well, a little bit. Um, So, I don't know. I I keep going back and forth on it. Ultimately, the Bengals are a better team with Jesse Bates on it at at this moment in time. But who's to say that Dax Hill won't? rise to the occasion Jesse did he was a second round pick Dax Hill is a first round pick and Jesse rose to the occasion straight away there's no reason that Dax Hill can't even though he does play a slightly different position on the field Um, I don't know man I keep going back and forth on this I think it sucks I'd love Jesse to to play on this team long term but um, I mean there are some big big contracts a little bit down the line but that sh- should that stop you trying to sign Jesse Bates? I don't think it should, really. I don't know. It's it's such a tricky... As I say, that poll seemed to sum up my feelings on it. Um, it it's Pretty it's much really hard split.
2: As, it, yeah, it's hard as fans, I think, as well, in these situations. Because as you were talking about cash reserve, we, we can't sit there in front of the Bengals' bank balance. We can't sit there in front of they're thinking in terms of long term and what cap's going to be needed for that and the structure of this and that you also don't know what Jesse Bates's agent is actually asking for there'll be a number he's got that we don't know so as much as I want to sit here and say and you know I think my opinion is probably just about get a deal done not regardless but if it's not absolutely stupid I think it would be great to get the deal done and be going all in um for this season because like I said you don't know when that next opportunity will be and he's probably your best defensive player But you just don't know the details and you can't just sign everyone. As you mentioned, it's not just a case of um, I want this player because he's good. Obviously, you know, everyone wants Jesse Bates on the team if you play for free. Um, But when it comes down to the intricacies and the numbers and the specifics, I think it is genuinely hard to give a really qualified opinion on it because... Again, like I said, you don't know the dynamics and the, the the sort of individual numbers. But I think it'll be a real shame, as I said before, if he chooses not to play. I think fine if he wants to miss, uh, miss training camp. I mean, when I say fine, it's not ideal because that's a real good time for the defence to get on the same page and learn the system. And um, for him to be, t- frankly, mentoring and training someone like Daxton Hill, you know, that they're yeah. all going to be part of the same group. You don't really want to come in and... Um, you know I mean, Jesse Bates still on his first contract but he's realistically a you know a veteran um, on that team he's been around for a while it would be great to have him there um, in a leadership role Um, very very tough one and I can like I said I just hope that if he does miss the pre-season training camp that he at least comes in even if he was to miss the first game of the season to really stamp his foot down but then came back and played and or whatever that looked like, I think that would at least be something. It'd be a, like I said, a disaster in some ways for both parties. Um if he sort of stubbornly and the Bengals stubbornly just saw him through until um next summer.
1: Um our friend on Twitter, Santori Miles at Cincy underscore Suave, um, put together a list of all the safeties and the well, the tops I'm not gonna go through them all, but the top five safeties in terms of guaranteed money, right? Forget about the total value and the average per year, but the guaranteed money, which seems to be the sticking point, and something that the Bengals, you know, just don't enter into. They just do not pay out huge amounts of guaranteed money. So Jamal Adams from the Seahawks is the top at the top. He get he's well he gets. Well, I don't know if he got or he gets thirty eight million uh, guaranteed. Marcus Williams from the Ravens thirty-seven million. Minka Fitzpatrick from the Steelers thirty-six. Justin Simmons from the Broncos thirty-five. Buddha Baker from the Cardinals thirty-three point one. Um Eddie Jackson from the Bears thirty-three. Kevin Bayard thirty point eight. Yeah, you go down the list. Uh what the Bengals see I think it was around sixteen to seventeen million guaranteed which is obviously a great deal less. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So he would have been about 13th on the list if he... Um, but it's a good list if you want to go and check out uh, Cincy Suave's list there. But it just puts that into perspective, really. And you want to know why the Bengals don't do this, why they do not just they just do not break their pay structure, do they? They really don't like it. And... Um we'll talk to Paul Dana a little bit about that as well.
2: The thing for Jesse Bates, and we are looking at it completely from the Bengals' point of view, because we're all on the Bengal's side. We want the the team to obviously bring him back or whatever else. But if you selfishly think about it from his perspective and he's looking out for himself and him and his agent are sat there in a dark room with the lamp on in the corner saying, Look, how can we get this money and how can we get you the best deal possible? And Frank me as the agent. The one thing you're going to be thinking about, and I'm not suggesting that he will be saying to Jesse Bates, if you have to sit the season out, see it out. But you've got to remember for someone like him when it comes to the NFL and career lifespans and stuff, they're not very long. And if you can get guaranteed money in your pocket for like, you know, you're talking about twenty five, thirty up to thirty seven million that insures you massively against breaking a neck, breaking a leg, and never being the same player again. Which in the NFL can happen all the time. You know, it happens every season. A player never plays again because of a big injury. You look at David Pollack for the we drafted yeah, in the course, first round yeah. a long time ago. Very, very, fan- you know, excellent player. Um, lots of potential coming out of college. I think he went to Georgia, but might be wrong on that. And that was it. You know, bad tackle done his neck, I don't know the specifics, but never played again. And if you're Jesse Bates, you can sit there and say, well, I'm not going to play this season. Sodja, I'm not going to bother. Like, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to keep fit and not get myself injured, crucially. You're not probably going to do anything mental, just sort of working out at home, Fingers crossed. But there'll be a team next year that will pay him big bucks. They'll give him a four or five-year deal, and he'll walk away with the sort of numbers that you were talking about. So as much as, yes, you don't want to turn down 11 million – in the back of your head, you've got to be thinking, well, yeah, it's 11 million. But if I turn around and, like I said, significantly injure myself, have a terrible year. And you can't rule that out, that he just has a real stinker of a year, terrible PFF grade. Someone would still give him a deal based on history, and he'd only be 26 at the end of next season. And he's highly regarded. So people would turn around and say, well, you know, he was pissed off or... You know, maybe he had a cup of niggle or something like that, and that David Milligata, or however you say his name will still flog him to a team and still get him good money. But at least then he does get a multi-year deal and he secures himself mm. for the future. So you can see where his argument is because well, you, can day, sides, you? Yeah. you can see both sides, can't you? Yeah, see both yeah. sides. But you can see it on both sides. But can you see the Bengals' side? Because to me, that offer that you just mentioned there, like 16 sixteen, seventeen million, million when you've got other safeties in the league, earning up to thirty-seven. Now, I don't think Jesse Bates is a top two, three safety in the league. Is he a top five? If he's playing well, he is. But he can be inconsistent. But that's way below par, I think. You know, you yeah. to be. if you're Jesse Bates' agent and you took that deal, I think he'd be, be the laughing stock of Twitter because people would be saying, look, you're worth so much more than that sum. What are you doing? And the Bengals rate Jesse Bates. they be, you know, they're going to give him an offer. They'd want to sign him. But I think we all know that that's not a realistic one.
1: I think again, I'll say it again, there's def- different elements to this. A, what they value the safety position in terms of finances. B, what they've come, in, what they've got coming up in in terms of who they got to sign. They've got to sign, you know, they've got to re-sign some big, big players in big, big positions for big, big money. Now, the Bengals don't usually have any problems with signing their star players. Maybe they're just, you know, getting ready for that. And uh, see, it's, but, a, you know, it's a philosophical you, thing with the Bengals. And if I, think I that, was,
2: If I was the agent, sorry, Sam, if I was the agent for a big players deal that was coming up, that the Bengals would want to re-sign, so T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, whoever it might be coming up, and you knew the narrative and the, the underlying narrative. If Jesse Bates doesn't play this year or the Bengals don't re-sign him, there's a lot of people, like you said, 48%, 49% of people that think the Bengals should get a g- deal done. They're not good to. And there's been a few players recently that, st- like, historically the Bengals would have signed that they let go. Carl Lawson, people like that. Now... The whole Bengals don't want to give guaranteed money thing is going up and up and up. Now, if you're a big player and you're the agent of a big player, you would know that the Bengals have to sign this guy almost at any cost. And you could almost have the license to take the piss a bit in terms of what you asked for. Because if Jamal Chase, Joe Burrow, anyone like that, if the Bengals were refusing to give them the money they wanted, even if it was hysterically high the bad press and the pr the bengals would get for that would be unforgivable and i think that's yeah. something that an agent could use to their advantage in the negotiations with the bengals because there there would already be this kind of thing about oh the bengals achieve oh they don't sign their own players anymore and you know and i know that obviously they've signed dj Reader, they've signed Trey yeah. hendricks and they they're not afraid to stick money where you know out there but i do think that an agent with with the leverage of you know a player like joe burrow jamar chase even maybe t higgins I think you could potentially use that to your advantage.
1: But I, I think uh, we, we've known it in the past, really. Um, you know, with this approach that the Bengals take, deciding not the top, top tier, because, again, historically, they just don't have a problem in in dishing out the cash for quarterbacks or, you know, wide receivers. Historically, they just don't, you know, they they prioritise those guys, actually, over over these sort of almost second-tier guys, your guards, your... Offensive tackles that are on the way out, age-wise, perhaps. I'm talking Andrew Whitworth. So every now and again,
2: yeah, you, yeah,
1: with this approach that they take, I mean, the recent. I mean, you look at Geno Atkins re to big bucks. Tyler Boyd uh, got a nice contract recently. Sam Hubbard had a nice contract. So plenty of players do re-sign for yeah. the terms that the Bengals offer them, but every now and again. There will be one, and it will always be a fan bloody favourite, Mark my yeah, words. I don't I, I know, do you know it, what
2: I mean? There, I, there will always yeah. be one. I think it's when it's silly money though. Sam Hubbard's deal was very realistic. I don't think that was, you know, that's kind of for a decent player. It wasn't for a top-end player. I'd argue the same with Tyler Boyd when he signed. It was a it's good money. It's not, you know, I think when the when the heat's on and there's good offers out there, Andrew Whitworth, the Rams were up a good offer, the Bengals offered him something, but didn't want to overpay. Marvin Jones, yeah. when he went to Detroit, now, you know, we'd have been paying Marvin Jones more than we would have wanted to well, pay him with normal wide wanted receiver wide, one money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he, he, wanted he did, but, receiver,
2: this, is, but you know. this is what I mean, though. Like, you don't want to be in a position... Marvin Jones, still a good receiver today, let alone back then. Like, he, he plays as a wide receiver one, you know, and I, I sometimes think... But he's never, you, be, you he's be, never a, kicked
1: he, on to be that pro Bowl. Yes, he's a good player. But for me, he's your, yeah. he's the perfect wide receiver too. Now, it's, it's it's fair enough on his uh on his end for wanting wide receiver one money because he thought he could go on and be that thousand yard guy a season, you know what I mean? Um thousand yard guy but a season, you know what I mean though, thousand yards a yeah. season sort of guy. Uh he never quite did that. But anyway, that that's by the by. I know what you mean. Uh, Ke- it's just, Kevin Zeidler, you, got... you could
2: you could throw yeah. into that mix as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just think sometimes you've got to not be afraid to overpay because you need something. You know, if you're gonna, you know, if you've got a jigsaw puzzle and you need the last piece, but you have to pay more than it's worth, and you just have to suck it up that you've been ripped off to complete it, then I think sometimes you've got to be afraid to do that. I mean, the Rams and you know, I keep using them as an example. The money that they were putting out and the, the sort of ridiculous contracts they were giving out, giving away dra- draft picks for all these you know, these veterans and the talent and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, they won the Super Bowl. And you can look at it and you can say, well, their drafts are going to be terrible for the next couple of years. And, well, oh, how did they manage to do that with a cap? But they've got the trophies sat there in their locker room. And that's, you know, that's it, isn't it, at the end of the day? Like, we'd all take um, a Super Bowl because we paid Jesse Bates stupid amounts. Um, you know, and, I, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, th- let's not let principles get in the way of, you know, potentially getting us over the line here because, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a tough one, but I think the Bengals—that's sometimes their—is sometimes their Achilles' heel is just the sort of stubbornness of yeah, no, you agree. know we're sticking to that and we're not willing to do something potentially stupid, which it might be to pay them thirty-five million guaranteed, but actually we need to be pragmatic here and get the job done. You know, and it I mean, there's, there's an argument.
1: Become. There's an argument to say they should sign. You know, increase their guaranteed money. To, you know, around thirty million, maybe spaced over several years. Um, uh, keep Jesse Bates at uh, free safety, and then slot Dax Hill into strong safety when uh, Bell's contract is up at the end of next yeah. season. You know what I mean? So they, I don't know. Yes.
2: So yeah, let, let's the draw this so. up. You... We, we go on then quickly. Well, there's just one other option that we haven't talked about that's doing the rounds on Twitter is the trade. Like, yeah. there's options, you know, do we trade him? Do we just say, well, you know, we're miles off on a deal. We're not realistically going to pay him. We think he might genuinely sit the season out. Obviously, we don't want to, you know, lose him next year for nothing and probably get a third, fourth round compensation pick or whatever that would look like. So do we pick up a draft pick? Do we pick up some disgruntled player on another team that, you know, would play for us this year and be an addition? I mean, what, what are you saying to that?
1: It would have to be. I mean, I put something out that I think Philadelphia fans are sniffing around Bates like he's like uh, the sexiest cinnamon roll you've ever smelt in the bakery. Do you know what I mean? He is. He is something very sweet and enticing. Like
2: like you in your vest this
1: evening. Exactly. <laughs> yes. No. No. Not at all. Um, yeah. I mean. Uh, I would. I mean, I think they, they one proposed, I got shot down on Twitter about this. I well, They proposed uh, Dillard, the tackle stroke guard, who was highly rated coming out a couple of years ago, but hasn't really done it in the NFL, and a second round pick, you see. I'd yeah, quite... I saw that. Yeah, second round pick. Yeah, I'd, I'd take it for Bates, but have to be, I think, a more impactful player straight away. You know what I mean? Not necessarily a like for like or a position for a position swap, but someone who might make a bit of a difference. But I don't, know, I don't know. You, what are you saying? Would you let Let's draw a line. Let's put a bow on this, Nathan. Would you, if you could, pay more to keep Jesse Bates?
2: I would definitely pay more than the Bengals are offering now, and I'd be sat around the table trying to get something done. I'm not saying I'd go to again. I don't know what he's after, but if he's after stu- like literally like safety one, two, three money, then I'd probably say no. But if he's after something like you know top five, I'd certainly be aggressive in trying to get it done without just. Completely so you'd be, you'd
1: be willing to pay him say thirty million guaranteed.
2: I'd need to look at the numbers without just so putting my neck the, on the line. And so I you know, want to. So I'd be willing to.
1: That would make him the seventh or eighth best paid in terms of guaranteed money. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely money.
2: think. I, I genuinely think I probably would, and I think the one thing I would say is if I seriously thought that he was going to sit out and he was going to go, I would just trading but like you said i try and get a player right? a draft pick's all well and good if we get a second round and a fifth round or whatever they might people might give us but by the time we actually make that pick and then the guy comes through like i just think in the next couple of years when you've got joe burrow on a rookie contract you've got jamar chase on a rookie contract this is the time to strike because when you give joe burrow four thousand billion million and <laughs> you know sign him to a 10-year contract and you know yeah. give him the keys to the city there's not going to be much room for anyone else and you're going to have to be making serious concessions. So I just think when you're in this window... And you've got everyone ready to go and, you know, especially with the the ridiculous firepower that's in the AFC this year. Like, you want your defence to be good when it's going up against Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, you know, all this, you know, obviously Justin Herbert. I mean, the, the list goes on. I mean, people really give him Lamar Jackson absolutely no respect at the moment. Yeah. He's in our division. He's a very good player on his day. He was hurt last year. He's going to have something to say about that. And I think he will have a great year this year. So. You know, you want someone like Jesse Bates, who's, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a game maker, you know, he's a he's a game breaker. He's someone that can really sort of sort things out, make an impactful play, did it for us in the playoffs. I think to be without him for a second round and a third round pick, I mean, who cares? Like, I you know, the time is now, son. There you go. Um, what would you do? Yeah, I'd pay him. Yeah,
1: as I say, I've 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 gone back and forth (laughs) on this, and you kind of you know you do have to weigh it all up in terms of who we've got down the line. Can we? You know, you're looking at 150 million at least. I don't know. I don't. I'm guessing there for borough in terms of guaranteed. You're talking 45. I don't know what you're talking about for Jamar Chase. You're talking like 45 mil guaranteed or whatever that might be. 50 million, 60 million guaranteed. I don't know. You're talking silly, silly numbers here. So you've just got to balance it out, like you say. We we're not privy to the uh, Bengals' accounts and Katie Blackburn's big back black book, um, so I don't know. It's it is a tricky. But if I could, I would because I think he's a really good player. And I and they kind of say, yeah, but would you keep? You know, you'd take T Higgins over uh, Jesse Bates, wouldn't you? And it's like, well. See, I'm not sure T's gonna stick around for too much longer because he's gonna no, be demanding wide receiver one money, and there's only one yeah. wide receiver one on this team, unfortunately, as much as we all love yep. T Higgins, and you know whose agent T Higgins is, the same yep. as yep. Jesse Bates. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if T moves on in the, in a couple of years, uh, which would be a great shame, but you know, good luck to him. And to me, I think wide receivers are actually perhaps easier to find in the draft. That's-
2: that's that's the thing and in free agency there's always yeah. a veteran out there that's maybe yeah, being yeah, cut yeah. loose still got some tread on the tire that if you've got an elite receiver like jamar chase that's going to demand double coverage and he's a real playmaker you can afford to obviously as well if you've got tyler boyd in there as your slot guy you can afford to have a guy maybe that you know is just a decent number two nothing special i mean t higgins is at the very top end of that number two receiver he'd that's probably right, be, a yeah. guy, he'd be a wide receiver one on some teams yeah, yeah. so you know, you, it, we, we, that's a real luxury for us. But I think you're right. I mean, there, there are receivers around the league every year in free agency in the draft that, you you know, you can take a punt on and maybe wouldn't hurt you as much as no, trying the, to find the, a top five safety.
1: The depth and quality of wide receiver in the draft now seems to be much higher than, like, 10 years ago even. Do you know what I mean? Five yeah, years ago. Yeah. Every draft seems to be absolutely stacked with, like, these incredible athletes, you know. And, um, yeah. Whereas getting a captain of the defence, someone like you say who makes makes things happen back there uh, is much harder. And as you say, we've got Higgins, Chase, Burrow, Mixon, Boyd, Reader, Hendrickson, uh, Cheeto, Cheeto, um, at this moment in time. So, you know, the, the window's open right now, so you need to maximise that. And I think Jesse, having Jesse does that. However... It's a split decision and very difficult. Anyway, we've been prattling on for about 35 minutes. I think it's time to uh, bring in our special guest, Paul Dana. Uh, As I say, uh, uh, full disclosure, I am wearing a muscle vest. uh, while not only while I'm doing this, but also when I spoke to Paul. And uh, we're back now with our old pal from the athletic, Paul Dana Jr. There's lots of topics to discuss, but it's always a treat. To see yeah. Paul, I'm sure I'm not sure he's going to be saying the same about me, and my state of undress at the moment. But
0: um uh, Paul, how you doing? Welcome back, man. I'm doing good. Do, do you want me to take my shirt off? Like, should we? <laughs> I thought we might that say where, that where this is going to go, or we can. <laughs> I, I've got some tanks in the dresser. I can go pull out and maybe uh, we can. I think compare. I think we'll save that for later.
1: If you know what I okay. mean. Okay, so. just make it sure.
0: Or is, or is this your like your Pat McAfee turn? You know where you're trying to like. <laughs> following his footsteps well, if you're, if with you're the really tank. lucky
1: i might start mentioning an indoor training facility as well later <laughs> oh, just to go full mcafee you know oh thing. there you go yeah
0: absolutely i i also uh would would be excited to talk about an indoor practice facility because that means uh, a few less practices where we stand out in the in the Right. yeah we're really back to talking about right the
1: weather um mm-hmm. uh, paul how's your summer been have you had a good off season first and foremost because not not it wasn't just the team that had the longest season in NFL history. You had the longest season in NFL history in a journalistic sense, didn't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, is it, uh, do I make it that obvious, uh, how much it beat the crap out of us? I hope people don't immediately think this man looks beaten down. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, though. It, I mean, every time that Zach Taylor or anybody on that staff or players would talk about, You know how worn down they were from that year I mean I we all felt that everybody that was a part of that because yeah it was long like people do long seasons but it was unexpected it was very intense uh, for a long period of time, and that the nature of them becoming really the story of the NFL last year. You love it, man. Like uh you all next you're you're at the centerpiece of the story of the NFL and friends. We were we were
1: we were suddenly everyone's favorite second team.
0: Right. Well and, and as you know, as somewhere where you come, it's this is not like um so when I worked at the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, you know, you were the inquirer, you were always the, the Bengals were always the biggest deal. Here, as far as professional football, but at the athletic, I mean, that next thing you know, you're front and center in in a national publication, more so than normal, where everything you're doing is, is, has all the eyeballs on it. And that's great. Like you dream for that time, but then to be thrust into essentially what turned into about a six, seven week period where you feel like this is, you've got to be doing everything you do has to be some of the greatest stuff you've ever done. Cause you want to rise to the moment that the team is rising to you. You want to rise to the moment that your job is asking you to rise to. And the storylines have never been better, never been greater, never been more worth telling. And uh, all of that, like when you're doing that every week and it keeps going and going, and then you're in the Super Bowl, Um, Yeah. It, it's it at the end of an already long season. Yeah. It, uh you felt it, you felt it and you needed the break. And then you go right into an important offseason. There's really no stop, but you know, no one wants to hear me complain about that. I hope people don't think that I'm complaining about it, but uh, we're <laughs> human just like everybody else where your job gets busy out of nowhere. And uh, you know, you, you, definitely cherish the break, but I'm ready to come back, man. I'm a, uh, I'm excited for camp to start next week.
1: Um not least the Bengals, but your Everton had a bit of a, oh.
0: a bit of a tight squeeze, didn't they? Blimey. A Tight squeeze? Is that what we're calling it now? Yeah, a tight squeeze. I think a lot of Everton fans had a tight squeeze. Yeah. That's uh that was uh, we were squeezing. Uh, uh, the scenes points. though, I mean the scenes for 17th, I will tell you right now, or or whatever they are, the 16th, I guess they ended up at. It was one of my the craziest things I've ever seen in my life is is all the fans storming the pitch over and over again. You mm. know, uh, mm. at the end of that, and just what that means. And I, you know, I very much enjoyed the, uh, you know, the celebration of then with the "Don't ever do this to us again" sort <laughs> of uh, attached <laughs> yeah, yeah. to it. Um, but it it was uh, it was fun. I it, it did prompt many discussions around here of the nfl should add relegation because there's just a certain drama now that would absolutely yeah, unequivocally really never and this, happen <laughs> then,
1: yeah never never happen no but-
0: owner would ever sign up for such a thing however the drama and and what it brings out in everyone is uh is pretty remarkable i'd never experienced that before having i started watching everton about 10 years ago and so i'd never Mm -hmm. really kind of gotten the relegation sweat before but it's quite (laughs) a sweat and it was it was fun to watch i guess there's some certain
1: symmetry with the bengals as well in that to never ever do this to again uh, (laughs) again before right but but as i say um what an incredible ride for everyone, fans uh, over there, fans over here. You can imagine we're nuts. So uh, you probably saw on Twitter and Super Bowl pies. And, you know, you guys are working really hard. It, it's, it was the most incredible ride. But we're back. And um, I want to talk to you first about the Jesse Bates situation. Um, I keep kind of toing and froing on this. I think he's a terrific player, terrific guy. I don't think that, that's in question. Have you been surprised at how the Bengals have not been as aggressive in going out and trying to re-sign him? Because because we got we got a sense of what their offer was this week via various NFL insiders. Um, are you surprised? Were you? Did you see that? And were you surprised at the kind of offer they did offer? And uh, what are your feelings on on that at the moment?
0: Uh, I, I, you know, I'm surprised it's gotten to this messy point that it's gotten to. I mean, I think, you know, about a month ago or so, a month or two ago, I wrote kind of a piece of how did we get to this point, and 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 really kind of dove into the franchise tag and and how it's unraveled and where it stood, and 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 so I I I'm surprised if we go back a year plus. To when it seemed an inevitability that at you know at this point we said oh yeah it'll only be a matter of days until Jesse Bates follows Sam Hubbard into the extension club and they'll continue to build around those guys. I think there was a point in time where the Bengals thought that would be the case too, um, but it just had. I, I'm surprised going back to that point that we've ended up here. But as far as once it went through last camp, once it went through last year. You knew that something like this was a possibility because bills come due, free agency goes, happens, and and now the wide receiver market explodes, and you know Burroughs' contract is a year closer. All of these things hover over this now. I mean, you can't and and the Bengals were forced to pick another path. So the the fact that they're not they don't feel like they that Jesse Bates has any leverage. They they took Dax Hill. We took Tyson Anderson. It took two safeties. They and they have to pay Jamar Chase in a few years. They have to pay T. Higgins, or at least they want to consider paying T. Higgins. Who knows if that even happens? And now the wide receiver market's insane. And the Burrow deal, they're going to start negotiating with him next year and and Logan Wilson. And eventually, you know, they're going to talk about Jonah Williams down the line. Like they're, they, they have a lot of expensive bills coming due, and they're not going to change the way that they operate with a small amount of guaranteed money be with especially with those other deals as a backdrop and start a setting precedent and be putting themselves in a position where it could jeopardize those deals. Cause look, I, I don't care what anybody says keeping Joe Burrow and Jamar chase is number one and two for the future of this franchise. It's what matters the most. Uh, you can if you have those, everything else can fall in line after that. Um, and and so I think that's part of this too. I I think they hope they thought they would be able to get it done. I think they thought they could that this deal would be good enough. And and Jesse, you know, wants to, to go for it all, and that's his right. Players never have leverage, and if they feel like they have a spot where I can go on the market and get a, you know, guaranteed number that's in the thirties or whatever. And that's my lifetime contract. Um, Then you play whatever, throw whatever pitch you have to, to, to make that happen. And obviously right now it's one of, maybe he doesn't play for the Bengals again. I don't, I don't, we don't, we don't know how that's going to turn out. It'll be interesting to see if he shows up at camp, even though he says he won't, it'll be interesting to see if he, shows up late in camp or before the first game, or maybe not. There's not a lot of history of guys not playing on the tag. There's been a lot of tags handed out. I think when I went through the last 36, the only one the guy didn't play was Le'Veon Bell, and that was a second tag that had been placed on him. There's just not a lot of precedent of that happening. Does Jesse Bates want to not collect $13 million this year for the sake of saving whatever he feels like his market value is currently at. If he hits free agency next year, that's a question he has to ask himself. Not a lot of people say, no, I'll pass on $13 million. He has the right to do that. Um, If he feels like it's better for him in the long run, we'll all find out soon enough. uh, As far as whenever he shows up, that's going to be the big game changer there.
1: I just want to ask you a few questions on the back of that. Is this a case of the Bengals just prioritizing in terms of who's, who has to be extended later down the the line? Uh, Is it a case of that they don't value safeties in the the same wage bracket as as Jesse and certainly his his agent does? Uh, We've been reading a hell of a lot about, oh, the Bengals aren't a cash rich, easy for me to say, a cash rich club. Talk about escrow accounts and systems Mm -hmm. and things like that. What's the? I'm interested in the I'm not a big finance guy in terms of sports is what's the truth in this whole kind of cash rich stuff that say oh that the rams can get away with kind of doing all this and paying huge amounts of guaranteed money because they've got the cash uh
0: reserves
1: um is that is that is that is that true when it comes to Bengals
0: Yeah, uh, them. I mean, and then people mentioned the Chargers, too, and that with similar types of ownership groups and big quarterback. It's more about the core. I mean, look, I mean, when you talk about massive guarantees and having to have escrow in the years down the line, I mean, that that would I think that's a minor, minor part of the Jesse Bates conversation. It is going to be a big part of the Joe Burrow conversation because then you start getting into hundreds of millions of dollars potentially guaranteed that you have to cover yourself for and have that cash put away, which became an issue when the Watson deal for 230 million guaranteed happened. And they, you know, it, it became okay. Well, our team's really going to be able to do that. I've talked to some people throughout the league that really understand that stuff and have said, you know, they, I don't know that the Deshaun Watson 230 million guaranteed is really going to become a thing where it's going to be a blip, not the trend. Um, and, And we don't know how Joe Burrow and his people are going to negotiate that. That's where that would come down into the line. To me, there's other ways to get around it. The Bengals philosophy has always been, we just try to give as much money early as we can and that serve as the guarantees. And then just, but a lot of times, you know, especially for agents and have been around this place—not this place, the NFL being this place—they um, don't buy it unless it's in writing on a guarantee, and uh, and 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 I understand that too. You know, I mean, I I get it. I, I so, but yeah, I think that's there's 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 an aspect of that that's true. I also just think there's just a way that they feel like they are never in cap trouble. They're never in cap hell. They're always able to be flexible and adjust their team every year. They feel like the way that Katie does that is partially by structuring things this way. And that may be frustrating for a few. Guess what? A lot of people haven't minded their structure. They have paid a lot of people. Uh, A lot of people that have done very well. If, If a player is not comfortable with that, as much as they'd love to keep Jesse Bates, Um, they'll have to go do something like draft Dax Hill and put them in your place and allocate that money elsewhere to someone that is comfortable with that structure because they feel like that's what gives them the best way to stay flexible and winning every single year consistently
1: Are you surprised by the brouhaha with all this Jesse Bates thing? i supported the Bengals for a long time, we're both sports fans, long time sports fans there's lots of long time sports fans out there listening, players come and players go you know, I look back yeah. at the safety position and Reggie Nelson was a hell of a player. Uh George Aloka was a hell of, not quite on Reggie's level, certainly on Jesse's level, but he was a good player. You know, people come and people go and that's the kind of nature of the business. So are you surprised with, I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there a bit pissed off at the fact that the Bengals weren't willing to go the extra mile for, for Jesse.
0: Yeah, I mean, these just become such loud off-season talking points, and it's kind of a there's not a lot to say. Um, and it was, and now that it's gone on for so long, it feels like everyone's sort of formed this passionate opinion. Um, it, there's a lot of it. It's just, it's just the business of it, and it just happened to be in the headlines a lot because it's been the biggest offseason contractual headline with this team for a year now. And 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 it was such a big deal last year because he didn't play well, admitting it was in his head. And, and that makes it a bigger storyline. And, you know, and their window is small. I uh, am not like to say their window is small, but like I said, bills are coming due. So you, you've got like, you got this window to win and now you might lose one of your best players. Um, I, I get it. I mean, I, I get people getting, but, you know, he's homegrown. He was draft developed, retained, all that stuff. You know, I just think I get why people get frustrated because it feels like it should have been a slam dunk and easy. And, um, but it happens. Like teams value things differently, players and agents value things differently and it doesn't always work out. You wish them the best and you do your best to move on and, and replace those players if you can. And I think both sides kind of played their cards there. Mm. Um, uh, in, in the draft this particular year, obviously the Bengals certainly did. Um, just real quick before we get to the the team going
1: forward, well, how do you expect this to to play out? Will Will Jesse play at all this season? Isn't I think
0: it's November. What's there? The, there's another deadline looming in November. Uh, yeah, November the point where you can come back and still collect some of that money. Otherwise, you have right, to right, right. you have to just kick you know kick the season. Um, yeah, it's hard to know exactly what. At some point when we get to early September, Jesse Bates is going to have to look himself in the mirror and say, I choose to pass on $13 million. Am I willing to pass on playing football, trying to make a run at this thing, and and maybe win a Super Bowl, bet on myself one more time, and collect this money, or am I going to be the type of guy that sits out a year in my prime in, in order to save my value? I don't know what Jesse's answer to that question in the mirror is going to be at that point. I I don't know that. I don't know that anybody does for sure. Um, I know there's not a lot of precedent of people. Usually when push comes to shove, they collect 13 mil, but I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say anything for certain, but Jesse will have to answer that question of himself. And we've seen how good Jesse Bates can be when the mental shackles
1: come off. Look how good he was when he unscrambled his brain last year and hit the playoffs, arguably the team's best player. So he's hoping he can play free and just say, you know what, fuck it, one year, let's go for it. Let's bring right. it back. Um, onto the, onto the new team, I guess. Well, how, how impressed, uh, leaving Jesse Bates aside, how impressed have you been with the draft? We haven't spoken to you for a while. Um, How impressed are you with the draft and the
0: team's uh, off-season I mean, I think their offseason was outstanding. I mean, uh, you know, to, to, to check the O-line box off so quickly and so efficiently and so deftly when it comes to Collins um, really was what mattered most and just huge. You know, that, that's what mattered. It's what's mattered for two years. Protect Burrow. Find a way to do it. And to do it, you know, we, we talked a lot in the lead up to free agency about what's the best way to approach this offensive line issue. And, you know, the analytics of the game now will tell you the offensive line is a weakest link game. It is, we joke, no donkeys is the rule. But, you know, that it's, it's a, you're only as good as your lowest player. It's not about necessarily having a star tackle or having a star whatever. It's about who is the worst of your five. Because that's where teams, there's too many good, quality, versatile, freak show defensive linemen to exploit whatever your weakness is if you have one. And so, and there's value to the tackle, whatever. But they needed to solidify so that they had a higher level of com- competency and, and, wor- and worked up to uh, an average offensive line across the board with no real weak links. And they very much did that. And you can argue better than that. Um, who will find out what happens with the left guard spot, which is the obvious, you know, competition in camp? Whatever happens with Jackson, Carmen, Cordell, Volson, but you know, to have vets, to have vets that are in the personality of Frank Pollock, your offensive line coach, to have somebody with comfortability with Pollock and Collins, who has such a high end physically uh, potential to to be very good. And just know that you've got consistent, reliable players. And what I like, they've just, you know, I always said, if you self-scout the Bengals, it is. They need to stop drafting linemen. They stink at it. They've consistently drafted poorly on the offensive line forever and has doomed them, Um, at least certainly in recent years, dating back really last almost nine, ten years. Um, They did, really. They went to proven pieces, three Proven veterans, you know, can play. There's no, there's no projecting, there's no wondering, there's no development. These guys are showing up immediately in their presence, and there's a sense the adults are in the room. Okay. They're here to take care of things and protect Joe Burrow. And that mattered um, a lot with you look at how they had everything else in place offensively. So that was a big deal. Not being afraid to spend on a guard is a big deal. Uh, which because they haven't done a lot of that, and then Karis as well, who brings you flexibility. I just think doing that, doing it so quickly, hard not to say they had a great offseason there with free agency and fixing the line. The draft, I mean, it, it, they probably would tell you, and they did quite honestly. It didn't fall as well as they hoped, and they got to day two and day three. And a lot of guys they liked that went off their board and that happened some years um, round one fell perfectly for them. They love Dax. And I think he's going to be a really nice, it proved to be a nice acquisition for them and, and have a huge impact this year, especially with the Bates thing hovering. I, but the rest of it, we don't know. I don't know what to make of Cam Taylor Britt until we see him compete. I mean, the OTAs were so lax and barely even recognizable, we don't really know much about these guys at this point, other than the hopes of what they will be when they get in here. So we'll we'll judge them in camp. So TBD on that. Uh, but you know, as they certainly checked a lot of boxes, and that was a defense that's going to need some pieces that can play in the next couple of years. And they they went that direction and they executed it.
1: And just real quick, Paul, as camp approaches, who I mean, which position group needs that extra? bit of juice which position group and and new players needs to kind of show themselves early in the the players that you're looking forward to seeing most
0: yeah the rookies i mean i think because they it, everything else we've seen like that there's so much continuity right now i mean mm. they're bringing back almost everybody on offense they're bringing back almost everybody on defense there's a few small people pieces of uzama ogunjobi um you know the notably that won't be back, but the rest are kind of what we know, what we just saw, what we witnessed last year. So the rookies and what they'll, what role they'll play. You know Hayden Hurst chemistry certainly is going to be part of this to see how how he comes along and filling in the 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 role that CJ Uzama vacated. But um it, there's not a lot of unknowns in uh, on the roster just because the line. Yeah. We're going to be judging their chemistry, but I think you feel pretty confident. You know who those guys are. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of the, the younger players in the secondary, the battle with Britt and Eli Apple, how Dax Hill looks, especially if he's the one taking the reps with the ones every day. Um, What's going to happen at left guard with Carmen and Volson is obviously an intriguing battle. The most intriguing of all of camp without question. So, We'll be watching that stuff, but the rest, there's a lot of knowns. And that's a good thing. It's kind of an old, feels like a little bit like those 11 to 15 Marvin Lewis teams where it was just kind of very repetitive of the same key players, the same talking points, the same, it was very much the same. The continuity, the coaching staff is the same. Um, so that stuff's good. Yeah. Uh, so but it, it makes it a pretty known deal when we get into camp. Well, Paul, I think we'll let you go. Thank you so much for spending the time,
1: as ever. It's always a treat to talk to you. Good luck with the rest of the season. Hopefully, we'll catch up a bit down the line. And good luck to Everton as well. Uh, let's hope they don't it. put you through the mill, the grinder, like they did last <laughs> <time>. <laughs> I just hope next time I see you, you have a
0: shirt with sleeves on, Paul. Well,
1: is. you will, because I'm coming over this, uh, this
0: autumn. Um, That's so- it. <laughs> I'll oh yeah
1: fully dressed in cincinnati are you,
0: are you you're coming to cincinnati i am all right which what uh is there uh, what gave you in the game uh yeah uh, i'll tell you after after the uh oh
1: after, it's a secret oh not really no <clears throat> i'm sure the <laughs> listeners don't want to know my ins and outs and my travel details but um They don't follow you around
0: paparazzi style?
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll be wearing espadrilles, linen-flowing flared trousers, muscle vests all the way through (laughs) my (laughs) (laughs) time. Love it. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, as always, Paul. Cheers, mate. There we go. That was the brilliant Paul Dana Jr. At Paul Dana Jr. on Twitter, if you don't already follow him. He is co-host of Hear That Podcast Growling. On all your favourite uh, podcast uh, dispensers, and also obviously writes uh, brilliant stuff for the Athletic. So do check Paul out if you don't uh, already. If you do, I mean, if you don't, you, where, 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 what, what are you doing? Anyway, good stuff from Paul there, and um, um, let's just bring it t- together, Nathan. We'll be back next week to talk more about training camp, but. Um, You've got your eye on anything in training camp as we start? Any any kind of bits that you'd like to see?
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> I want to see Daxton Hill. I think if yeah. Jesse Bates ain't playing, I mean, he's he's someone first round pick. He's got all the you know the the potential coming in, and he might we might really need him. So I think he's certainly someone that um, that we're going to need to see something from. I want to see Joe Burrow, see he's in good shape, you know, he's yeah. the golden boy, I want to see him rolling around with that knee brace or without it as he as he may go, but I'm just excited to see it back, I mean, it's, it's incredible to think the Hall of Fame game
0: is Only in about a two of weeks, and yeah. A half weeks, yeah, it's, yeah. Crazy, think,
2: it? it's always so nice when you get, that, that Hall of Fame game always creeps up on you out of nowhere yeah, yeah. as well. Who is it this year, um, I'm not even sure who it is the raiders oh, okay. and someone okay. um i think but yeah i mean i'm just i'm excited to see some football i always the pre-season can be a bit of a dry watch um but it, it's always great to have football back and just knowing that every bloody sunday until january yeah um and well, obviously no, february, no, february in our Come case yeah on, yeah exactly. but like it's always just so good to know that you've got football coming up and um yeah it's, it's just unbelievable it really makes the winter worth it and it's um
1: it does, it does. Well, there's, there's a bit of summer left here in the UK. Uh, I must, uh, before we go, I must say thank you to everyone that uh, came to our meet-up in Edinburgh uh, last weekend. Uh, fantastic to meet so many um, old pals and new ones as well. Much Cornhole was cornholed. Much, uh, we had our own beer, Tay Higgins, for the day. Much Tay Higgins was drank. Uh We had our special guest, the McCart. Uh, Lots of photographs of the McCart doing the rounds. Uh, Beautiful weather in Edinburgh. What an incredible city. Uh, Many, many, many thanks to um, the Belfield Brewery, their assistance in collaborating uh, on the beer with us and also letting us use their uh, superb tap room. So if you are up in Edinburgh, do go and check out uh the belfield brewery it's really really cool little tap room great food we had some mexican street food on the go on the saturday and they kind of you know change uh, their food each week fantastic gluten-free beers honestly if you haven't tried gluten-free beers yet nathan honestly check them out they're much lighter and still full-bodied alcohol-wise but much lighter and you can drink more i find Although I'm sure Matt Catterall no. will disagree with that. Uh, enough, enough said about that. <laughs> the better, I think. But um, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic event. Thank you so much to everyone who came along. We got news of another meetup in a few weeks' time, so stand by for that. Uh, but yeah, it was great fun in Edinburgh. Really great fun. So we'll be back next week, as I said. Um, take care of yourselves in this heat. American people don't laugh at us. We, yeah, it's just really hot. Um, but until next week. It is a who day from me.
2: And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
1: And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.